my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope that all is well. So remember that the HR Sound Off podcast show is created by an HR professional for HR professionals, magnifying HR voices, and it is my absolute honor and privilege to magnify the voice of my very dear friend today, Sheba Wilson, joining us from the beautiful island of Turks and Caicos. Sheba, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. I am well. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. It's also a pleasure for me to finally be here. Yes. Looking forward to the conversation. Me too. It's been a long time coming, right? But yes. Two busy women doing lots of great things in the space. And so we get here. We're here. We're here. It's happening. Yes. Yes. So why don't we start off by telling the beautiful people who are listening to this show today, who is Sheba Wilson? What is your HR story and how did it begin? Okay, so Sheba Wilson, first of all, I would say at my very core, I am just a servant leader. I'm someone Mm -hmm. who loves to serve and to help other people discover the great things about themselves and map out their plan for how they're going to achieve the goals that they have set for themselves. So all my life, um, even from high school, I was that person telling people how great they are and encouraging them to do the things that they were afraid to do. And I'm still doing that to this day. Um, other than that, I am a mother of four amazing children. I am a widow of eight years, an author. I've been in the HR space for the past 12 years. I work as the group director of human resources for the luxury hotel brand Grace Bay Resorts in beautiful by nature, Turks and Caicos Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also very passionate about young women. So I serve at my local um, community center, youth center, um, teaching leadership, teaching life skills, helping young girls discover all the positive things about themselves and encourage them to pursue their goals. So in a nutshell, that's who I am and what I do. And my HR story, I think you asked. Your your HR story. Tell us how you got So I chose HR. (laughs) I have to say it that way because I'm a journalist by profession. Mm -hmm. And um, I always jumped me the first time I heard you say that. I was like, what? (laughs) Yes, I am a journalist by profession. And um, I transitioned into hospitality and I entered the industry as 
an administrative assistant. And um, when I joined Grace Bay Resorts, I I get bored very easily. So I'm always on to the next. Right. So I kind of mastered that role in less than two years. And I started cross-training in various departments. Okay. And then I took on a project in HR. I raised my hand for a project, a special okay. project, um, which was work permits. Uh, we had okay. a huge mess, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, where... We had a lot of people whose work permits weren't up to date, who basically were working in categories that were not listed on their work permit, that sort of stuff. And I had some experience from an immigration ministry standpoint Mm -hmm. because I had previously worked with the minister of immigration as his assistant. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of policy formation in that role and I understood exactly what we needed to do. And so I raised my hand and volunteered to clean that up. And I did it in about six months. And then I went and I had the conversation with my um, GM at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, And I said, look, I think I like HR because I love helping people. And so simultaneously, I had enrolled in a master's program um, Mm -hmm. to study human resource management because I had never worked in HR before. Mm -hmm. And so I did that, completed that in a year while pregnant with my son. It was was quite tough. Mm -hmm. And then when I completed the course of study, I transitioned full-time into HR first as the immigration liaison. So I was the person that um, onboarded international employees, helped them with their work permit process. Mm-hmm. And then when they got to the island, helped them to get their, their apartment and get settled and all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And from that role, I then transitioned to an assistant HR director role because I have been doing a lot. Like, that's just who I am. So yeah. I was employed to do one thing, but I found myself learning Mm -hmm. all the different facets and volunteering for things because I don't like to be idle. I I love to be productive and to help where I can. And so that led to a promotion to assistant director of human resources at Grace Bay Club. And then several positions later, here I am as the group director for the hotel brand. Wow. That's an amazing story. First of all, a beautiful, beautiful human being through and through you are, Sheba. And just your ability to hold space for people and really care about people and help them and see them see them where they are and help them progress and develop from where they are, I think is a beautiful quality to have as a leader. But that's because you see yourself as a servant leader. And then also your ability to see a need and fill a need. Put your hand up and go, look, I want to do something. This is what I want to do. This is where I can add value and doing that. And for many HR professionals, that's not necessarily something that we would do. As we develop our our competencies and skills in the space of HR, Um, I'm moving from one level to the next. There are certain criteria that obviously must be met. But your introduction into HR is an interesting one, but not uncommon in the Caribbean um, because we are dealing with a lot of expat employees. So immigration is something that, interestingly, for those who are are not from the Caribbean and may not understand it, it's normal or common for immigration 
processes to sit in the HR department. Having been in that space for many years myself, I do know it's an interesting space to be in to help other people come into your country to live and work and guiding them through that process, the legalization process of it all, which is the work permits, working with spouses, working with their children, finding them housing, schooling, all of those different things um, and the very various sets of criteria that have to be met from a health and safety perspective to make sure that the homes are safe, that they're living, that they've chosen to live in, making sure they have transportation, their licenses, their IDs, their tax stuff is all in order so that they can pay taxes here and whatever taxes have to be paid in their country. There are lots of moving parts when you're relocating someone into the Caribbean um, or any country if someone comes on a visa. But it's not necessarily common for it to sit in HR in other parts of the world, but in the Caribbean, it's very common for it to sit here. And to see that you develop and grow your HR career from there, that's amazing. So I've got to ask you, what advice would you give to you know, professionals who may be struggling to figure out where to get their start. And I know a lot of times we recommend like making your start in recruitment or making your start in learning and development or something like that. But what advice would you give to professionals who are looking to get their jump start into HR but not quite sure how to make it happen because they don't have the experience for the BP roles or the manager or leadership roles? Well, I would say think about what skills you do have, right? Because skills are transferable. Mm-hmm. You may not necessarily have HR experience, but there's some value that you can bring to that department. Mm-hmm. And so think about what that is and then have the conversation with the people who make the decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, I, I always encourage people to take on special projects because it, it worked for me in my entire mm-hmm. career. So when you raise your hand and you say, hey, I'll volunteer to do this, usually yeah. something that nobody else wants to touch, mm-hmm. um, it gives you the ideal situation. Like it's an opportunity for you to shine because nobody wants to do this thing, but you know that you can actually do it. Mm -hmm. And so you take on that high stakes project, you do a great job at it. And then you have the conversation to say, look, you know, I enjoy doing this project. It yielded X, Y, Z results. This is how the company benefited. And I can actually see myself being able to add more to the HR department. So think about what skills, what value you bring, and then how you can use that to assist the HR department where they're at. And that usually, well, for me, definitely it has worked in every role that I've held. Before I became the group director, I was actually doing the job of a group director in the absence of a group director. And a year later, I got the role. Mm -hmm. And I could have taken the approach that I'm not being paid to do this. This is not my job. But boy, that is a pet peeve for me. I absolutely dislike when people say stuff like that, because Mm -hmm. me, I'm looking at it and thinking, you have a golden opportunity here versus seeing it as it's not my job. Right. And I'm not saying to allow people to like push over you and totally use you, but taking on those types of projects can open up opportunities for you. So I would say start there. First, Mm -hmm. knowing what you bring to the table, because that's Mm -hmm. absolutely important. Yeah. Then being able to articulate that to get 
you know, those opportunities to highlight your skills, to show what you're made of, and then use that as your segue to get into the department. Mm-hmm. That's really great advice, Shiba. I think that a lot of our listeners will definitely appreciate um, what you're saying there. And I think that that's true. Um, I think the more you look at your organization and see where there is a need to be filled and there are special projects that are especially around the areas where you want to get into, then those are the ones that you should definitely try to to jump into and try to be a part of that. Uh, and you never know where it will lead you. Yes. So yes, definitely agree with you on that. So I want to ask you, Sheba, as a busy HR professional, um, leading a team in a very dynamic environment. What has you excited about being in HR right now? Definitely the people. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. always the people, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because for me, like of all the different facets of HR, the thing that I enjoy most is helping people grow in their careers, helping Mm -hmm. them to discover what they want and map out that plan for how they're going to get to where they want to be. And so what keeps me passionate about serving in this space is the people. When I look over my career and I see how many persons that I have sat and coached and helped and provided training opportunities for in preparation for promotions. And I look and I see some of them today are GMs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no better gratification. Like there, nothing else that I do makes me as proud and happy as being able to see someone else mm-hmm. flourish, to see them grow, to see where they started and yeah. how they've grown and transitioned and now holding positions that they once dreamt of. Like Mm -hmm. that's what keeps me excited. Even when I think about policy formation Mm -hmm. and strategic planning, all of that, the foundation is about the people in the organization. It's always the people. That's what keeps me going. Nice. I love that. You're truly a people-centric leader. And I think that that's so important. Um, If we don't see the people before the policies and the strategies, uh, it's harder to create the best experience when you don't think about the people that you're creating experiences for. And then that really gives you that sense of fulfillment, Mm -hmm. knowing that you've been able to move people through an organization to aspirational roles actually becoming their reality really is a very fulfilling job as HR professionals. And despite the challenges that we experience in in HR, it makes it all the worthwhile being able to see really good people develop and grow and go into roles that, you know, they really wanted to be a part of in the organization. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for sharing that. So I got to ask you, you described yourself as as a a lot of things, a mom of four, you're an HR professional, you work with deeply in your community with young ladies, helping them to build their leadership skills. But at the heart of it all, you are a true inspirational leader. And one of the words I heard you use to describe yourself was author. I know one of the questions that I usually ask that I'm not going to ask you today is what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate? Well, I'm going to tell our audience the book that you wrote that they should be reading and enjoying 
right now. You are an Amazon best-selling author of the book Get Up and Lead. It's an absolutely beautiful book. And I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit around what made you write this book and what is it about? Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing it. Um, My pleasure. I, I dreamt of being an author 20 years before it ever happened. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, you have to have a story to tell. So yes. I remember being at um, Caribbean Youth Parliamentary um, Association and representing my country and having the conversation about me dreaming of being an author one day. Mm-hmm. And actually, it had slipped my mind. But then someone said to me, who was also at that conference when I um, released my book, Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You said this 20 years ago. And I was like, yeah, I did. I had forgotten. Wow. Right. So mm-hmm. there is definitely power in the spoken word. Yes. And putting, you know, putting what things out there. Yes. Into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So why did I write the book? I wrote the book because I felt that I had been on a journey where I learned so much through loss and failure and so many life experiences. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, I could sort of provide a a blueprint for how you could navigate difficulty and still come out on the side of success. Mm -hmm. That was the reason behind writing the book. I wanted to to write the book and share the best practices that worked for me in hopes Mm -hmm. that someone else didn't have to struggle as much. They could probably get there a bit faster than I did because they have this blueprint that they can use Mm -hmm. to help them. So that was um, the reason why I I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. It was not easy to share intimately about your life. Yes. Um, It required a lot of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't go through things just for us. Like, yeah, it makes us stronger. We build character and all of that, and we benefit from it. But I don't believe that we have those life experiences just for us. I think it's meant to be shared with others so that they can be helped. They can learn. They can learn from our failures, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I I just thought, you know what? I'm going to lay it all out there. And I hope that at least one person is Mm -hmm. able to take this message and run with it and make a difference in their lives. And that, yeah. that was the reason I wrote the book. Well, I'm telling you for sure. It, it really helped me a lot. And I love, even in the title of itself, right? It's not just be a leader or how to be a good leader, but you, you, you start with the words, get up. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we have that feeling inside of us that says, I can lead but I don't want to do it because someone else could do it better than me or I don't think I have everything that it takes to make a good leader, but you won't know unless you get up Mm -hmm. and start. Yeah. And that's kind of like where the inspiration for me of your book comes because even in the moments through your loss and you were like, the only way I will get through this is if I get up and do something and make a start. I can't heal if I don't get up. I can't be a good leader if I don't get up. And for me, that theme stayed right through the book for me. And I saw that as truly inspiring. And I thought in certain moments, you had to have been crying when you wrote certain parts of this book because I oh, was. Yeah. 
That was a lot of emotion. It, it really was. <laughs> really a, a lot of emotion. If you could use one word to describe leadership, and I mean not the John Maxwell word, um, but if you could use one word to describe leadership at its core and what it really means for you, what would it be? She said, not the John Maxwell. No, not the John Maxwell. Everyone knows what John Maxwell yeah. thinks about leadership. <laughs> if I had to choose just one word, yeah. I would say empathy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I would say empathy is, first and foremost, if you don't genuinely care about people, you should not be leading people. Mm-hmm. So I would start there, right? Yeah. And we know leadership is influence. We, we've heard it mm-hmm. all the time. And yes, yeah. it requires influence, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to be able to give your vision, pass your vision on to someone else and get them to execute towards the same goal. Right. But at the very core, I think you need to have empathy. Yeah. Need to, you have to care about people genuinely. Mm-hmm. And when you care about people genuinely, you'll make decisions that mm-hmm. are in their best interests. Yeah. You will support them. You will coach mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you mm-hmm. will formulate policy around people because yes. you genuinely care about, about people. Them. Your yes. organizational culture would be some some place where people want to work because they feel valued. They feel yeah. cared for. Right. And so I think if you start from that base mm-hmm. of empathy, I think all of your decisions, all of your actions are going to be effective because leadership is about people. It's not about you. It's not about your ego. It's not about your title. No. It's not about the perks. Right. It's about the people that you lead. Yes. So you have to care about them. You have to invest in them. Mm -hmm. You have to consider them in all of your decision making. So I Mm -hmm. I would start there. Absolutely awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Which takes me to a question that I want to ask you because you're my friend and I could put you on the spot. (laughs) So the question that comes up for me constantly as an HR professional, I want to say not question, conversation that comes up for me quite a bit doing the work that I do is how do we create happy, healthy HR teams? And I am happy to say that I get to witness every single year or every single month how you not only care for the people in your organization, as in the employees that are outside of your team, but I also get to see how you care for your team as an HR leader. You are an absolute inspiration because the things that you do for your team to make sure that they thrive and they grow and you have you have a very considerably big team to be able to see how you provide safe spaces for them to have conversations outside of you so thank you for trusting me with that but that you also take the time to help them understand where their competencies and skills gaps are and then provide them with a safe space to be able to talk about the highs and lows of what they've done well and what hasn't gone well throughout the year. I think it's truly commendable because constantly I hear HR people talking about not feeling safe in their own teams, that they have HR leaders in their teams that they don't trust, that they don't feel comfortable being able to go to, to have conversations with. And I want to get your thoughts on 
how that makes you feel knowing that there are HR leaders out there that are not providing safe spaces for their teams? Honestly, it makes me really sad Mm -hmm. um, because, again, like we're the people that are tasked with taking care of the people. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't take care of us, then how do we serve the entire team? Yeah. You know, and it, it makes me sad when I hear counterparts at other organizations say some of the, the things that they encounter. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for me, I have not had those experiences. Um, don't get me wrong. I once had an HR leader that was not the best. I think right. he taught me to be a leader mm-hmm. or to be a, a, to good be a better leader. Because mm-hmm. I knew what I didn't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want to be. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I'm so passionate about developing people and investing in them mm-hmm. and providing safe spaces for them because I once didn't have that in right. leadership. But it was never at a point where I had no one that I could turn to. Right. Because within my organization, I had other senior leaders that provided a safe space for, for me. Right. And I know how important that is. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I... I am sad when I hear some of the horror stories of HR and what people have to go through. HR is a very demanding role. It mm-hmm. requires you to give so much of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's filled with trauma. Every day you're dealing Every- with some kind mm-hmm. of trauma and, and you have to provide that safe space for your employees. Sometimes yeah. you're hearing very sensitive and personal stories mm-hmm. you know, and they are, offload on you and you need to be able to take that to a safe space so that you're not carrying around someone else's trauma on a day-to-day basis in addition to everything else that Mm -hmm. comes with that role and your personal stuff right because i think Mm -hmm. sometimes people fail to realize that hr professionals are human human too too. they Mm -hmm. have life struggles and issues too. They have family situations and emergencies and all of those things. So in addition to providing safe spaces for employees and helping you navigate your own trauma, they also have theirs. So we have to be able to create safe spaces for HR professionals. We need to take care of our HR people Mm -hmm. because for them to be effective in taking care of others, they first have to be taken care of. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. So to all those bad HR leaders out there right now that are making really bad experiences for people in their teams, what do you have to say to them? I think they should just leave the space. Like, you know, if you're not going to be a good HR leader and support your team and and make sure that you're investing in them and caring for them and providing Mm -hmm. safe spaces for them, why are you there? Yeah. You know, and maybe it's just not the right fit for you. Maybe it's not the role for you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where self-reflection and introspection comes in and and assessing yourself and and determining how effective are you really. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think too many times in leadership generally and certainly in HR, we have situations where people just hold a title. Yep but it doesn't mean that they are cut out for what the role entails. And we do a disservice to our teams when Mm -hmm. we have people holding positions, Mm -hmm. but they're not effective in leadership. 
Mm -hmm. They damage valuable employees in mm -hmm. the process. And that mm -hmm. is something, you know, that is too great a cost. Mm -hmm. So organizations need to ensure that they're monitoring, that, that they are dealing with toxicity. You know, because a lot of times yep. we allow it to happen. We allow it. it to go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. and it damages good people and they mm -hmm. end up leaving, not because they dislike the work, not because they dislike the job, right. maybe not even because they dislike the organization, mm -hmm. but because they can no longer tolerate the toxicity from that leadership, leadership or those pockets of toxicity yeah. that we allow to faster in organizations. And that's what they say about people leaving, not jobs, but they leave bad managers, yes. right? Um, so to your point, I think it's very important for people. I always say in true Jamaican terms, either fix up or get out. Yeah. Plain and simple, right? So you're either going to fix up and realize this is not the way we take care of HR people. Mm -hmm. um, if if you're not safe as an HR professional in your own team, it's hard for the organization to be a psychologically safe yes. space because you're only as good as the core or the foundation or the heartbeat of your organization, mm -hmm. which is HR people. Yeah. So I totally agree with you on, on that front. Now, in terms of words of encouragement for HR professionals who may be struggling in that season or in that season of struggle with their HR leaders, what do you have to say to those people? First, I would say, and I, you know, every situation is different, but I would say have the crucial conversation. Um, a lot of times we're afraid because we, we kind of decide what the outcome is going to be based on maybe past experiences. And so we shy away from having the conversation and we end up in situations where we're just putting undue stress and pressure on ourselves because we fail to have the conversation. And sometimes that may require mediation. Maybe you can't have the conversation with your HR leader by yourself. Maybe you need to say to them that I want to have a conversation with you, but I want to have a conversation where I'm free to be able to express myself and you're open to hearing what I'm saying. And I don't believe that I can have that if we do it one-on-one. -on -one. Would you be open to having a mediator? You know, and... The answer can only be yes or no. And if the answer is no, that says a lot about that leader, mm -hmm. right? So I would start by initiating that conversation, deciding whether you need mediation or you can have it one-on-one. -on -one. And once you would have tried and, that, and you've expressed and that person is not open to mm -hmm. hearing or allowing you to express, then you need to make a decision about how you escalate it yeah. or whether or not this is still the place that you want to work in. Hmm. Because remember, the way that they treat you doesn't diminish your value. No. Right? You, you still are valuable. You still Correct. have skills and experience and value to add. It just might not be in, in that, that organization. organization. Yes. And knowing when it's time to sabotage and say, it's time for me to move on. Yep. Is, is very important. I think yeah. a lot of times we doubt ourselves and our capabilities. And so mm -hmm. we stay in spaces where we're not valued mm -hmm. or treated well for far too long because mm -hmm. we're afraid that, well, maybe I'm not good enough mm -hmm. to go somewhere else. Yeah. But you are good enough. You are. 
you are. Yeah. And so just having that confidence in yourself to be able to make the transition and Mm -hmm. get yourself a coach. That's right. Get yourself a coach. Julie is a great (laughs) HR coach. Someone that you can, you know, have as Mm -hmm. a thinking partner to Mm -hmm. work through how we're going to navigate this space. What's the best approach to having this conversation? Mm -hmm. Do your your preparation with your coach. That's right. Go through those questions. Person. And mm-hmm. when you go in there, you're going in there empowered to actually have a crucial conversation and get the outcomes that you desire. Yes. That's why investing in a coach is important. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Thank you. Tell the people, man. Thank you. <laughs> so as a busy HR professional, author, speaker, you've I've seen you in some amazing spaces over the years. Congrats to you as you build your career as a speaker as well. What do you do to take care of yourself, Sheba? What do you do for downtime and to really pour back into you so you could be the best person you could be? Several things. But Mm -hmm. every day I start my day with Sheba and God. Like Mm -hmm. I get up earlier than anyone else in my house because those first few hours I need for me. Yeah, that's so important. I spend time meditating, journaling, just going through all my thoughts. I'm mm-hmm. a morning person, so I'm usually in bed at nine and I'm up by four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And just being able to like go through my mind and, and think about what happened the day before, what I could have done differently, mm-hmm. what were the outcomes, what did I learn? Like just having that time to kind of decompress and really think through everything that is important for me on a daily basis. And then I love the spa. So at least once for the month, I Mm -hmm. try to go and get myself a massage. If I have a lot of time, I would do a massage and a wrap Wow! because it's so relaxing. Yeah. When I leave the spa, I just feel like a new person. Mm -hmm. So that is a part of my self-care routine. Beautiful. And I love to travel. I mm, love. I know you do. Love, love. I know you do. <laughs> I, I usually joke and say, if I could jump on a plane every weekend, I would. Right. But it's not a joke. It's actually true. It's true. <laughs> Go to a new destination, immerse yeah. myself in the culture, the mm-hmm. food, and just mm-hmm. have myself a wonderful time experiencing somewhere new. That yeah. is, is so like therapeutic to me. Those mm-hmm. are the things that I absolutely enjoy. And and I love spending time with my family, yeah. especially my children. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at this stage of motherhood with um, my two older daughters there in the UK. So right. we only see each other when school is out or if I make a trip. Mm-hmm. So when they're around, I usually go all out ensuring that we spend a lot of time together. We together. make memories together. And right. that in itself feels like self-care to me, just yeah. being with them yeah. and getting to spend quality time. So those mm-hmm. are some of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. I do love the water. I don't go boating as much as I would like to, but that is right. also something I enjoy. Yeah, nice. I love the water. I try to swim at least three days a week. Um, and it's just one of those, but the minute I get in the water, I feel so at peace. Um, and just listening to the ocean, but like mm-hmm. living on a beautiful Island, 
being able to go in the sea. Yeah. Something that I know a lot of us as island people take for granted. True. Um, we don't do it One enough. of the things I never understood when I moved from the UK to Barbados, I never understood why so many Bajans could not swim. But then See, I realized you know? it's a Caribbean thing, yeah. right? We have these beautiful sets of water, but we get, we hear the story like mm-hmm. for us, it's like the sea ain't got in the back door. Yeah, it, so it's, it's something we need to yeah. really better. Like, yeah. Last yeah. year, summer, what I did with my family is we played tourists at home. We went jet skiing. We went parasailing. We mm-hmm. just did all of the things that tourists do. And it was right. so much fun. And we did mm-hmm. that leading up to vacation. Mm-hmm. So we had a little mini vacation at home and then we went overseas for vacation and it was nice. so much fun. Yes. So we, we, as island people, we really need to enjoy our countries yes. and not forget what we offer to others and exactly. take advantage of that for ourselves. Exactly. Because we live where people vacation. Yes. And therefore we should enjoy it. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So the big question, Shiba, as we wrap up our conversation, because time just got away. Yeah. But the big question is, what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Oh, boy, there are so many. Okay. I know. I know well, there are a lot. What's your biggest soapbox? <laughs> I think what really like upsets me is when I hear things like, HR is, is useless. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder, you know, where that concept comes from, right? Because yes. how can we be useless if we're facilitating the hiring process, we're onboarding the employees, we're ensuring that they get paid, mm-hmm. we're dealing with all of your people issues, you fail to document and discipline, and then you come to us and we have to clean up your mess and we have yep. to coach you, coach them. So, um, does it sound useless, useless to, to me? Right. So that really grinds my gears. Honestly, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I I don't know how anyone could say that. I yeah. think a lot of times when leaders in particular don't get what they want, they tend to say some very negative things yes. about HR. Yeah. And a lot of times, I have had to say to leaders. You don't understand how HR works. Many days you come in and and you have your to-do list or you have all of these things that you have lined up to do. And then there are 10 crises and you have to reprioritize and deal with all of the fires that you have to put out. And usually when everyone else is leaving, you're just getting to the things that you have prioritized for the day. And people don't see that. Often they don't see that. And they think you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. But in reality, all day nonstop, you're dealing with people issues. You're dealing with business issues. And a lot of times you're sitting there trying to get everything done. You're running to departments, meeting with staff, meeting with leaders. And before you know it, sometimes you haven't even eaten lunch and the day is over. Yes. So many times we don't we neglect ourselves All in service to the people, and then mm-hmm. we're called useless. Useless. But no one is going to do that in my presence. I mm-hmm. guarantee you, because yeah. I'm not going to allow it. I, no. would, I would have to school them. They would have yes. to learn what HR actually does. It does exactly, exactly. 
I think that that's a very good soapbox to be on, to be honest. Um, I think when I hear that, the question for me always comes, when you say useless, define that for me. Give me examples of where HR is useless because I guarantee you, even if they try to give you an example, it's a baseless one. It has no substance to it and just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So I totally, I'm 100% behind you think, on that Julie, mm-hmm. I think use, they mean useless in the sense that they can't get what they want, which want to, usually yeah. is contrary to policy, contrary yes. to law. I can't it's, manipulate you. Yes. So mm-hmm. they, they want to like strong arm you into doing something that is not ethical or, ethical or legal. Or legal. Mm-hmm. And that's when they say, oh, HR is useless. useless. Well, mm-hmm. if you're talking about us being unethical or, you know, where we're, we're going to be unfair to people or we're going to bend the rules to accommodate something that you want done that is not right, then yeah, yeah we're useless because we're not. We're, that's we're not, not going to do can. that. That's not what the, yeah. yeah, that's not. That's not how we play. That's no. not how we roll at all. Awesome. Shiba, you have survived your time here yeah, today. I was a little worried, you know. I was like, God, I don't know <laughs> what to expect. <laughs> well, I hope that you found it an interesting conversation and a good conversation and it was nothing yeah. to be scared of. Tell the good people who are listening where they can find you on social media if they would like to connect with you and where can they purchase this awesome book. Okay. And workbook. There is a workbook, guys. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> there is also a um, 90-day guided journal that has a ton of exercises in it for you to help you to become better and to be on your mm-hmm. path to success, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like for you. So to connect with me um, on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as TikTok, um, Sheba yes. Wilson, very easy to find. Mm-hmm. And then um, in terms of email address, it's Sheba at Sheba Wilson. My website is ShebaWilson.com. It's very easy. Everything is my name, Wanik, yeah. S-H-E-B-A. Mm-hmm. And you can also uh, visit Amazon or Bonds and Nobles to grab a copy of my book, Get Up and Lead, and the 90-Day uh, Guided Journal. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sheba, for joining me today, sharing space with me, sharing your insights and your energy. I greatly appreciate it. I'm so glad that you were able to make time out of your busy schedule to be here for this conversation. And I am always cheering you on wherever you go, Um, wishing you love, light, and blessings. For sure. Thank, Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. And just as much as you admire me and are you're inspired by me, I am equally filled with admiration and very inspired by you and all of the amazing things that you are doing. And I am so happy to be able to call you friend and to also have you here to support me and my team. You're truly a blessing to HR professionals. Thank you so much. You're oh, welcome. Wow. I'm blushing. You can't tell. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all other episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. 
Remember, HR SoundOff is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR SoundOff on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.